1: they can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 2nd, 2012. For newcomers, go into the website cuttingthroughmatrix.com and help yourself to the free audios available for download. And, uh, there's over a thousand to choose from. And hopefully you'll understand the big system you're born into, the system that you rail against, because you're always given parts of it to rail against, but never the complete thing in itself. And you realize you're, you're in truly a matrix system where all these different compartments of society and life in general, globally, are all taken care of by professionals. We're in a global society It was brought in incrementally through Treaties and uh, signing treaties at the United Nations primarily, and other organisations belonging to the umbrella group of the United Nations, uh, along an old plan, and of course, world wars were necessary to help bring it into place, which they fomented as well and financed. And we also needed an enemy after World War Two, which was the big bad bear, and that was Russia and of course through all of that period too uh, we got alliances formed all over the place to bring the world into two camps which eventually become one camp Uh, and that's where we are today this this is one major world camp anybody who's not in the camp is being bombed as we speak or about to shortly and that's really how the world is, is really planned by the masters of the world it's no coincidence that Bertrand Russell said eventually the managers, the world managers will become a different species and pretty well they are, they're born and up in ivory castles, basically towers, and they have a completely different upbringing from you or I and a completely different history and uh, sociology, etc. So technically they're they're a different species. And they keep us all happy down below, depending on our class, status, and uh, and the strata as well, and according to what they want us to believe or do or how to pass the time. It's all catered for. So remember, two of those theories have uh, taken a long time to do. I go through equipment like crazy here, so you can help me uh, keep going if you want to by buying the books and discs at And There's also uh, transcripts as well from all the sites on that website. You know, they all carry transcripts in English, but you can get transcripts in other languages at alanwartsentinel.eu. And from the USA, Canada, remember you can order with a personal check Or an international postal money order from the post office You can also use PayPal or you can send cash Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal once again But we are truly, it's amazing to have studied a lot of this stuff Most of this stuff in fact your whole life And then you live through it, you live through it all It's not because you have a crystal ball And it's not because... Uh, you have some special talent or gift just because you've already read the, the books, the boring books put out by the big players themselves and how they plan to bring in this world system of perpetual childhood for the Masters, really. That's what it is. Uh, they said you'd have lifelong training. And if you go into a country like Britain, you'll find out very quickly what they mean by it, lifelong training. It doesn't matter how old you are bringing more and more petty laws that you must jump to and obey, and I'll I'll touch on that tonight. And that's to be the flagship for the whole world as the first world countries go down in status and the third world countries come up because, you see, the big boys who already own all of you and and your nations, basically, have uh, are taking your, your cash and have been for years to build up those third world nations with the cheaper labor. And that's how the world is really run. You see? So the peasant in Canada or Britain is no different from the peasant in China, as far as the big boys can, can see it. It's just cheap, cheap labour and material and goods. Plus, of course, through treaties at the United Nations, they made sure that your tax money is funneled through treaties to China still to build schools and things for them. So they have everything going their way. Can't fail. Same with India. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and many many years ago I got a library book it was I think it was called The Red Bishop I think it was called and it was an Oxford man again who was in the, in the Church of England but uh, he promoted, he attended all the world meetings to do with communism basically for those who don't understand what communism is just check it out with socialism, communism is socialism in a hurry that's all it is and um, he he talked about uh, uh, perpetual training of the public. And, and he called it also, um, uh, actually to read it, you would think he was talking about night, perpetual night school, always upgrading yourself. And this was decided back in the 1940s, believe it or not, how you'd be trained throughout your life as though you were a child, and what they meant is bringing in the new ideas. You know, don't think of things that way. No, let's now look at them this way, from this angle. And that's how they warp your brain, you see. And they can, they can turn everything, every right upside down into your wrong and vice versa. And um, so it's not, there's nothing new at all about the, the the psychology they're using on children, whatsoever in the schools, because it was it was. It was actually used many, many years ago through the school systems to to bring up children who would become adults who would be perpetual children again, always obeying the authorities. And they knew back then they would constantly update and create more authorities over the general public. So they called him the Red uh, Bishop because he was basically communistic in his ideas. But this was—he was part of this global structure. He knew the big boys. He he knew the the H G Wells's, He knew the the Huxleys and all the different characters who helped, uh, and the Russells that, that helped shape this particular part of the system that we're living through today, including her our moral or immoral uh, way of lives because it's been turned 180 degrees. But uh, that's how they they, they get to you, you see, and they never stop. Once they start, they never stop. Now about two years ago. Uh, I mentioned about a man in Britain, an old pensioner, who he, he pulled his hands out of his pockets coming out of store and he dropped about 20 pounds, maybe 10-pound note. And one of these garbage police, garbage police, pounced on him uh, and fined him something like 50 pounds for dropping garbage. Well, obviously, the, the guy didn't mean to drop it. He wouldn't throw money away. But it doesn't matter the rules are the rules. You see, I saw you dropping paper. And and it, and it just gets so incredible the more you hear these. And this is happening every day all over that country that's coming here in Canada and the States too. The same organizations are heavily at work and embedded within your governments, uh, right down to your local level, to train you and to make you... You see, if you're an adult, you don't, you don't get treated like a child, you understand? And they are making sure you're treated like a child to make sure that you think you're still a child. Perpetual childhood. But here's an article today, and, and as I say, this is coming everywhere. Grandmother fined 75 pounds for littering after dropping a strand of cotton from one of her gloves. I'm not kidding you. I'm not, these creatures that, that, that uh, grab these, these people, uh, they're, they're not people at all, obviously, uh, these creatures. that They are creatures. What grown man or woman would have the audacity to find someone? For a strand of cotton falling off your hat or your glove or whatever. But that's how bad it is now. You know, you know what you have to do with these people, don't you? I mean, you can't live with them. You can't live with them. And, and by God, you know, they're going to make sure they're going to live with you. And more and more, they're just the like cancers, you understand, these departments. And they pick cancerous creatures and give them badges and things. And you've, got to get, you've just got to dispose of it. You know how you get rid of a cancer you cut it out, you know. That's it. Department gone. Gone. No, no more departments of, of nonsense. But anyway, it says here, uh, when a strand of cotton fell from one of her gloves as she was shopping, Valerie George didn't even notice. Well, who would, eh? So the 71-year-old grandmother was astonished when a council warden, a council warden, eh, pointed out the thread on the pavement, the sidewalk, and handed her a £75 spot fine for dropping litter. I'd have been looking for something else on the sidewalk that a a dog had dropped. I'm telling you, to put in his face. No kidding. I couldn't believe my eyes, she said uh, yesterday. She's an ordinary grandmother at shopping, uh, not a litter lout, throwing rubbish around. And uh, Mrs. George said, when the environmental officer, uh, enforcement, they call them environmental enforcement. They're all enforcements now. Oh, oh, I'm Enforcement. I want to get a flight jacket and everything. It first stopped her. She had protested her innocence. But then he took her to the scene, the scene of the crime. Yeah. Showed her the curled up strand of cotton and issued the fine. Yesterday, the council officials continued to... These are the officials, the people on the board, you know, these, these, these creatures that have been bred specially to persecute the populations. The officials continued to insist that an offence had been committed. Well, how was it an offence? It's only an offence if you deliberately throw garbage away. But said they would no longer be demanding that Mrs. George pay the penalty, which would have come out of her £105 weekly pension. So she says, I wouldn't have paid it anyway. Good for you. I would rather have gone to court. It is ridiculous. And that's what you need to These things are ridiculous. These these." uh, these officials are ridiculous their committees are ridiculous it's time you get them all disbanded disbanded the whole lot of them across the country and get, tell them to get a real job you know anyway Mrs. George the wife of a retired factory worker was shopping in her hometown of Branwar near Ebb uh, Vale South Wales when she was stopped I caught my watch and my glove and a piece of cotton had come off and fallen on the ground and she says, I didn't notice. If I had, I would have picked it up. I told the man it was a complete accident, but he said it was still litter and to take the matter up in court. I can't believe this. Can you believe this? This is what the red uh, the red um, the bishop was talking about, perpetual training in the public, you see. You're still a child, isn't there? But you're still a child, and I'm an adult, and you you will behave and grovel in front of me like a child And I'll talk dogmatically down to you as an adult. That's how it works. So she asked an enforcement officer who was burly and rude, and no kidding, yeah, are you really going to take 75 pounds off an old age pensioner? So I've worked all my life, I've never claimed anything, I live on 105 pounds pension, and 75 pounds is a big chunk of that for dropping a tiny piece of cotton. So there you are A crime was committed it says But they're, they're, because I guess people, the people It got into the papers uh, That uh, they won't go forward with the actual fine But can you imagine how many people it's happening to all, Every day where it's not going into the papers And these brutes You know These, these, these brutes that they pick up And give little badges to you know, A little bit of authority uh, uh, oh. You have to find an island for them Far far away Preferably one the UN said Is going to sink into the ocean And that's what you do with them. Because, you see, you can't rehabilitate these creeps. And they can't do a normal job, you understand. They couldn't do a a working job where where they'd sweat a bit. They don't know what it means. these are all make-work projects, you see, because they've taken all industry away. But how disgusting, eh? How disgusting. It it really is. It's utterly disgusting. What they're doing, and as they come across the world, Australia's getting their, their taste of that coming in fast now with the Fabian socialists they've got in, in there now. Now, again, in, in Britain we've also got uh, fuel property problems, and uh, I've mentioned this before. Every year, so many thousands die in their homes because they can't afford uh, the fuel. You actually get these coupons now, apparently, to, to pay your... Fee. Everything is so socialistic and communistic, it's just issue. And it says, uh, no research, uh, new research has revealed that the number of British people who will die due to fuel poverty is three times more than what it, the government has estimated with campaigners calling the number horrifying. A research study carried out by fuel poverty expert Professor Christine Middle of University of Ulster has revealed that nearly 8,000 people die during winter as a result of fuel poverty uh, reported to Independent on Tuesday. That's probably because they've paid all that cash and, and fines for uh, hair falling out their head or something like that. You know, uh, the, the latest estimate put forth by the British government showed that the number of people who die because they are not able to heat their homes... Properly stood at near 2,700 a year. I think of a lot more this year. And the ones who are using fuel, believe you me, are on are awfully low, <laughs> awfully low temperatures. Again, that's austerity. You see, you've been trained like little children. You've had it too good, whatever that means. I believe the figure of 7,800 is much more realistic as it's based on the World Health Organization' most recent estimate of deaths relating to cold and damp homes. Well, the WHO and the Department of of Population at the the United Nations would be awfully happy about these these figures because they want the old folk to die off anyway. Transform UK, the leading organisation which campaigned for the energy Bill revolution, severely criticised the British government for failing to tackle fuel poverty, as it described the figures as horrifying. Well, they always say that. Oh, it's horrifying. Oh, it's terrible. And nothing happens. So it says the deaths are totally preventable. This is perhaps the greatest test of where this government has an ounce of true compassion and moral fibre. It's not your government. You don't even know the people running your government in Britain going to their histories most of them they were born in Britain they all came from communistic countries so they ran away from people chasing them that's who's running their countries anyways just furthermore the leader of the Green Party Caroline Lucas MP said the cost of heating one home in Britain is so high that British people are faced with the choice between heating their homes and feeding their families as one or the other basically and that's really how it is and we all you know nobody cares this is will sort be of gone from your heads tomorrow morning because you, you, can't, you can not you only hold so much data in your head and you delete it after a while. And people don't like bad news. You know, if they're still warm, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear how bad it is for other people. Oh, that's terrible. Again in Britain, you know, look at all these movies have been churning out about pirates, pirates, apart from the banking boys. I mean, I'm talking about national movies. Uh, Skull and Cross Boy, it says, Family told to de- take down a child's toy pirate flag because it breaches rules on advertising. And I'll read this one when I come back from this break. Hi, folks. I'm back, cutting through the matrix. I'm talking about how how people who live in the nanny state, it's beyond nanny state, it's a brutal state. When you have, uh, when you get fined so much cash, pensioners can't afford uh, heart pills and so on. Or they can't heat themselves because of control freaks that are let loose upon the public. And and it's perpetual education, that's what's the term that read. Bishop used so lifelong education. Uh, they're training you and training you and training you, just like Pavlov's dogs, you see, to do what your masters want you to do. Except don't ever grow up and talk back to them or do a manly thing. You know. Anyway, it says skull and Crossboy, Family toy take down child's toy pirate fly because it breaches rules in advertising. This guy's got Asperger's syndrome. This child, but it says. Um, In Anthony Steele's world, his back garden is an ocean upon which a pirate ship sails in search of treasure. But the seven-year-old's fantasy has been sunk by council officials who say his jolly Roger breaches planning rules on advertising. And it's true, only the government and the banks cannot allow to uh, fly that flag, you see. They acted after an unnamed neighbour made a complaint about the flag, which flutters from the top of a fishing rod. Very dangerous, eh? And it says... um, Anthony's mother, Sarah Still, and her partner, Ronnie Ford Kennedy, received a letter ordering them to remove it or face being dragged to court. The couple said they have no option but to comply with the law, but complained it was ridiculous that the flag was considered advertising. I'd say it was ridiculous. You want to pull it down in the first place. A child's a child, and if he plays with a fishing rod and a flag on it, so what? They're also concerned that the impact it will have on Anthony, who has Asperger's syndrome. He struggles with change and has been quite upset uh, that we need to get the flag down, said Mrs. Seal 33 of Tattersall, Lincolnshire. It's sad that someone has reported a child's toy to the council. One of my callers uh, emailed me that um, and she lives in one of the New England towns and she has a big fence in backyard for her dogs, which she lets out in the morning and a neighbour from a, 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 a you know, second floor building, uh, uh, noticed she hadn't picked up all the poop inside her, her fenced off back garden that day, her own fenced off back garden, that is, and reported it. You see, you have to add more and more people to the ones you want to throw off to that island that's going to sink, you know, as the seas get higher. I suppose according to the United Nations, that is, it's all nonsense, but at least you get rid of them for a while, you know, they'd hand each other tickets forever until they starved to death on the island. And it says, father of two, Mr. Ford County, a former military policeman who now works as a personal assistant, added, Anthony likes playing pirates, and when I have my daughters here, they all play pirates together. And um, it goes on and on, but the fact is, what I'm saying here is that uh, after all these different movies, they turn out there like Pirates of the Caribbean, which I guess they saw, and um, etc., uh, that's what children emulate. That's why they give you lots of war movies so you get a bunch of cannon fodder for the next war that's planned, you know. Same thing, it works very well on children. It's so usually a lot of young children, you know, child playing uh, with, 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 with pirates. And, and then you get a, a fine and, and all the rest of it. It says here, the family were given 28 days to remove the flag, otherwise the offence would be heard in court. Where the maximum fine is £2,500 plus an extra 10% for every day the breach continues. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? Eh? How can you, how can you in Britain still, still live and hang your heads up high or hold it high? I mean, how can you do it with these creeps and what you've allowed to happen? How can you allow it? My God, this is children playing in their own property. And they want to find you £2,500 plus interest. It says if they wanted to request permission to keep it, they would have to pay £95 application fee. There's something wrong. You've been turned into a nation of grovelling slaves. Grovelling slaves to the people that you allow in and your councils. It's time you had a massive clean out. Massive clean-out. And if you disbanded most of these, these these organizations that they work for, for the councils, you would pay an awful lot less in, in, in council taxes and in area taxes and all the rest of it. This is the National Autistic Society. said, so To help them cope, people with Asperger's will often stick to very rigid routines and have intense interests, so a sudden unexplained change can cause real distress and upset. But, you know, the rules are the rules. Well, Rules are the rules. Just like the old lady with a, a, a bit of cotton comes off, comes off her glove and this, this idiot sees it falling and, uh, uh I could say an awful lot more but I better not. <laughs> I better not. Uh, now, as we get trained and trained and trained of course for what's to come and you've seen it in movies for the last 30 years, All the mainstream sci-fi moves have showed you a future with crumbling buildings and gangs and uh, and hunger and everybody's dirty and there's no running water. And then there's a big black clad goons who work for whatever establishment runs and owns the world. And this is what they're training you for under austerity too, of course. But I, I always laugh when I when I see something going to the top, getting pushed. Any book whatsoever, novel being pushed, just like just like music or making a star. Same idea. The, the people are never who they say they are, and often they don't even write their own books. Or they, there's a whole team writing the book, and it's always got grants from the government too. By the way, to get all the PC stuff in, the, the new updates on political correctness, uh, all that kind of stuff. No, nothing in, understand. Nothing in show business is what it seems. To, it's why it's called show business. It's a show. But there's a movie coming. A movie coming out, and I'll, I'll touch on this barbaric movie. It's going to train you to be barbaric, even more. So, back with more after this break.
0: Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
1: Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix, showing you the reality behind the nonsense they give you is reality basically. And you've lived through the nonsense all your lives. But it's uh, mentioning The Hunger Games. It started, it's a novel, apparently, uh, written by Suzanne Collins in 2008, and they want to break make it into a movie. But it's a post-apocalyptic world, the usual stuff in sci-fi, where the country of Panem, uh, where the countries of North America once existed, you see. And in the capital, highly advanced metropolis, that's where all the guys that were the bankers and their families all live and have whole power over the rest of the nations. And then there's an annual event, just for the little people you see, in which one boy and one girl, aged 12 to 18, from each of the 12 districts, surround the capital, and, uh, and they're sort of selected by a lottery to compete in a televised battle in which only one person can survive. How many movies have you seen in all your life that says it can be only one? Understand, these are psychological techniques. These aren't just some scribbler scrolling up with a pen some some little novel. Anyways, I say, initial print of 200,000 is not, not bad, you know, it takes a few bucks. And price doubled from the original 50,000. And, uh, and then of course she, the scribbler here apparently just simply becomes a, 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 a producer for it. And she, for the film, it's just multi-talented, you see, of course. And, uh, I've noticed too, even the characters in it, some of the guys, they, they, they give them women's names now in, in these sci-fi movies. The men have women's names. And of course, women are tough. They're tough, you know. But what I'm saying is this is all preparing you, again, for the the slum regions you're going to have. Because they they had these pretty well in parts of Asia, and um, in the the Far East. And um, as I say, they're making it into, into a movie so you can go and gorge yourself in blood and guts and get conditioned. But it's really copied after a Japanese one which came out, and it was Battle Royale, and that's really what they've copied it after. So you understand that there's a whole bunch of people across the world churning out movies to get their own people highly, highly debased and, and programmed into what you, what you you is going to be their future that they're going to see. And then this article book for Canadians, uh, online surveillance bill is on pause, but the fight continues. And you've got to, you've got to keep the fights up, obviously. It says, last Saturday, the Canadian government announced it would put proposed online surveillance legislation temporarily on pause uh, following sustained public outrage generated by the bill. Since its introduction two weeks ago, Canadians have spoken out en masse against Bill C-30, the Canadian government's latest attempt to update police online surveillance powers. As currently drafted, the bill represents a dramatic and dangerous attempt to leverage online service providers as agents of state surveillance. And so it would allow Canadian authorities easy access to Canadians' online activities, including the power to force ISPs to hand over private customer data without warrant. Adding insult to injury, the proposed legislation would also pave the way to gag orders that would prevent online service providers from notifying subscribers that their private data had been disclosed so that the ISPs wouldn't be allowed to tell you that, that they were snooping on you. A move that would make it impossible for users to seek legal recourse for privacy violations. So you, you've got to keep your eyes on this in Canada and keep it up, because you know if you, if you don't, you're just going down the tubes the same way as Britain. No kidding you. And you get fines delivered to your to your to your, your, your darn computer every other day for, for for looking at certain political things which are not really quite kosher. They'll say, you know, that's how they'll put it to you. Now, talking about show business, and I've talked about this before. Uh, how fake everything is inside show business. It doesn't matter if it's acting. They use all these stunt people, men and women, for all the things. You don't don't know that. Even a lot of the naked scenes, too. They have stand-ins for all that stuff as well because often that does get a bit, you know, podgy with the high salaries they get. So they get these stand-ins to do all the naked scenes. Everything is show business, you see. And same in music, as I've mentioned many times, and many of the the biggest hits out there were never written by the, the guys who have the rights to them. And most music is made by session musicians. And this is a, a, a the very first time years ago I mentioned this, uh, th- th- there was a massive outcry f- from fans who loved this group and that group and so on. But that's the sad truth of it, folks. If you can't take it, I feel sorry for you. You've been conned, but, uh, but you enjoyed the music at least. Eh? And this one's here. This one here is an article. It was in a WSJ, uh, but Hal Blaine. And you have these groups in every country. These, There's also a consortium of session musicians. And it says, um, uh, Hal Blaine put his hand on my shoulder. This is going to break your heart. But much of the music you heard in the 60s and early 70s wasn't recorded by the people you saw on the album covers. It was done by me and the musicians you see on these walls. Talk about a Wizard of Oz moment. Last week, I travelled to Mr. Blaine's home to talk about his prolific career as the buddy rich of rock and pop recordings. I also want to know more about his role as the ringleader of the Wrecking Crew, as they called them in in the States. It was the Wrecking Crew, an ad hoc group of about 30 highly skilled Hollywood studio musicians who played the instruments on thousands of hit records released between 1961 and 1976. Many baby boomers still remember the outrage that followed the magazine's revelation in 67 that the monkeys didn't play on all of their recordings. There were a bunch of little actors, you see. It turns out that Nair did the, the Beach Boys, the Mamas and the Papas, the Birds, the Association, Jan and Dean, and dozens of other rock groups of the era. That honour belongs to Mr Blaine and the Wrecking Crew, whose members included Glenn Campbell and Leon Russell. And Glenn Campbell was pretty good, actually. He's one of the few who could actually write songs as well. And so often what you'd do is you'd write the songs before you got the group <laughs> out of lineup, up You, you, and you, you're the group. And then the big boys would go into action and, and make a few hits, you see, then the group would just disappear. That, that happens in Britain and all over the, the Western world. It says, if rock is about a, a beat and a beat is about the drums, then the 82-year-old Mr. Blaine is arguably one of America's greatest living rock musicians. Uh, Wednesday marks 50 years since he recorded his first number one hit, Elvis Presley's Can't Help Falling in Love, Mr. Blaine went on to appear in 38 additional chart toppers, including The Birds' Mr. Tambourine Man, The Mamas and the Papas' Monday Monday, Simon Garfunkel's Mrs. Robinson and Bridge Over Troubled Water, and The Carpenters' They Long to Be Close to You. They didn't necessarily write them, but they actually uh, did all the, 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 the musical work uh, for getting for the albums. Some some of them occasionally would write songs, and Britain was another bunch, and um, I won't say too much about it. Anyway, those represent just a fraction of his output. Mr. Blaine uh, beats uh, beats set hits, twisting upwards of 5,000 songs, many of them also hits. He was even a drummer on the Grammys' Song of the Year for six years in a row from 66 to 71. In this regard, Mr. Blaine has no living peer. On Billboard's Hot 100 chart, Mr. Blaine's nearest rivals in the Beatles' is the Beatles with a measly 20 number one hits. So he's in a rock of fame now, of course, for being on all these records, uh, for at least playing the drums and so on, and, and, and helping arranging a little bit, I'm sure. An unspoken pack gave Mr. Blaine and the wrecking crew a secret hit-making machine. The teens wanted to believe that their idols and the TV and the stage were the ones playing on the records, and record companies didn't want to spoil the party, and we wanted to keep earning, Mr. Blaine said, so no one said a word. At his busiest, he played as many as seven studio sessions a day. Moving uh, from the Beach Boys wouldn't uh, be a bit nice to Frank's not as strangers a night. The story of the 60s rock studio scene has been documented in The Wrecking Crew, a newly completed film that is awaiting funding for song licensing. Its director is Denny Tedesco, son of Tommy Tedesco, the group's late guitarist, all that music was just notes on a page until these musicians gave them punch and excitement, Denny was said. So, in other words, once they get the, the, the rights to, to put the songs in the movies, because they, they belong to other people, but at least they played on the originals, um, then they can go ahead with it. While well, all of this, the major pop rock acts could sing and, in some cases, write music, record producers weren't satisfied with their abilities as instrumentalists. In other cases, songs were recorded and groups were assembled to front them. And that's what I said. It was easy money to, to write songs and meant for, you know, a little teeny bopper group. And then, of course, the big boys who really run the machinery, they belong to a certain creed, you might say, uh, they they actually just, as I say, pick them out of lineups, make them a group. The songs are already made, the outfits they're wearing are already made, and that that's it. They do their two or three hits that they're told they'll get, and then they disappear. It says many of these children or kids didn't have the chops and were little more than garage bands, said Mr. Blaine. The writing Crew name arranged they tell how it arranged the actual name, how it came into being, and um and a lot more too uh, uh to do with his history before he went into the music scene. And um and also other songs, of course, that they were on, A Taste of Honey uh, and various other other songs, many, many, many oldies, of course, and it goes on to this day as well for right, right into the rappers, of course, too, not that you need much music for that, but uh, that 's how things really are, folks, as your mind is taken care of by the wizards you see the, the magic wizards of entertainment and i 'll also put up again a link tonight that goes into a lot of this stuff because I mentioned it years ago. And then a site came up uh, and started to go into the history of how they came in with the rock and roll, the, the hippie movements, the pop music, and it's a Laurel Canyon site, it is. so I'll put that up again tonight. So if you want to go into this more, more, more d- deeply, a lot of good information on it, and um, it could go a lot, a lot further, but it goes far enough, I'd say. Uh, but really, that's that's how your your whole generations were split up initially by professionals. And that the ones at the top and many of the top bands at first were put out to the public as the singers at least were all uh, sons and daughters of the military establishment in high places that is in high places, you know, even Madonna yeah. shocking about um Foundations again, too, because everybody in Hollywood, you must understand, has to belong to a foundation. That's all they yap about. Uh, apart from criticizing each other and their talents, they, they actually talk about uh, philanthropy and who's in who. You know, every actress and actor has to be involved in some philanthropy because, you see, that's just the way it is. They're all so concerned about the world and all that. E- you know, even Liddy Dye, um, same thing about her, uh, when she was going on about the landmines and she doing her tours, of countries with landmines and she wanted the landmines all removed that was all very nice but she didn't think it up it was her PR manager she actually had a PR manager for her uh, to come up with something for her to do to keep her name in the limelight and so on and it's the same with actors and actresses because they get a lot of publicity oh so and so so and so's new foundation is going to help the people in Africa or something like that you see but it's all a con it's all a con but the CFR mentions this too because quite a few of the members now of actors are members of the Council on Foreign Relations like George Clooney and they brought other ones on board as well because the public you know the dumb masses of the public you just follow the stars because of no confidence in themselves they're too busy getting picked on by people like garbage inspectors and things like that picking up strands of cotton and making sure they're, 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 they're quivering in their boats you see so you look up to the stars that, that punch folk out on stage or at least on the, on the big screen, and the real he men they fight every war and win it. And but not you. You're, you're a little, you know. You admire them so much, but you quiver in front of that that person that's handing you the 95 pounds or whatever fine on the spot because a, a, a couple of follicles fell out of your nose or something. Anyway, Oprah and others are t- to attend Lady Gaga Foundation debut. This 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 thing, whatever it is, called Lady Gaga, and. Uh, I said, here's how they do it for you, you see. They give you this celebrity, and people will prattle about this rubbish. You know, I ignore it all. I'm only reading it to you to show you something. Lady Gaga is expected to be joined by Oprah Winfrey and the U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Kathleen Sibelius at Harvard University for the launch of the singer's Born This Way Foundation. I guess that means without anything it covered upper parts. I don't know. I kick off and it says that the the This Wave Foundation will address self confidence, well being, anti bullying and I, I might touch on that tonight for a time, I don't think so. The real reason between behind anti bullying, it's not anti bullying at all, actually. is to get a certain group into the colleges and universities and all the schools who are already who already have a foothold to teach their lifestyle. That's what it's really about. And I have the evidence on that too. Anyway, mentoring the career development through research, education and advocacy. Partnering with the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, the California Endowment and the Berkman Center at Harvard to explore the best ways to create a culture of kindness, bravery, ac- standing up to these garbage guys is bravery. I'm not paying your darn fine, you big blob. You know? A- acceptance and empowerment, it says here. Author and spiritual leader Deepak Chopra, ho, ho 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 and Harvard Law Professor Charles Ogletree are also scheduled to attend. So, you see, that's what they're all into now, is to keep this, their name in the limelights and so on. But what it does too, is they get a little place in Africa, I'll put one up tonight, it's about all the, all the, the, the actors who have little bits in Africa, and their faces come up on the screen, to show you that, that they at least flew there, their foundations, and generally they'll make a movie there as well. And they might scatter some balloons or t-shirts around us, and they have a foundation. Oh, aren't they good? They're helping Africans. Isn't that wonderful? Then they write it all down, write it off as their taxes. This is a tax write-off. Con game, folks. And this article is Dr. Clooney, I presume. And... It says, uh, oversized shades have pl- replaced pith helmets, but then scramble for Africa its share of adventures, would-be saviors, and even turf battles. As, as Madonna, it's actually fighting over parts of it. There's that like many uh, so-called new foundations and philanthropists and actors all fighting over the same areas. As Madonna's publicist explains, publicist, right, she's a publicist, you see, PR, public relations, propaganda. She's focusing on Malawi, South Africa's Oprah's territory. Oh. The map below takes a lighter look at the sometimes serious, sometimes silly business of celebrity altruism. For more on how Africa became the hottest continent for a list of do-gooders like Bono and Brandy Lina, it shows you, it's got links for that, you can bring it all up. And if you're, you're looking for a more sober approach, check out the recent package on human rights. So you can click on a country to learn which celebrity has claimed it and how, as they keep their names in the papers rather than dying off into, into obscurity. Because that's really what it's all about, folks. And writing off taxis. Aren't they good? Aren't they good? Eh? All embracing, all encompassing. You know, if you copy them all. Copy them all. Yeah. That goes for everything. Everything they you copy, you're supposed to copy. If you can stand it. So anyway, that's really how it is in the world. Everything is show biz. Show biz. And unfortunately, you can't tell the difference between news and show business anymore you really can't, most of you really, really can't now that they've got show business mixed up with the news what's that got to do with the news hmm and bad news for for another group that's going under Sears stores are set to unload uh, a lot of their stores now it says across Canada and I guess the states as well, it says they're in retreat and uh, it says after, Sears, after seven years of trying to rebuild the iconic retailer Sears Hedge fund manager Edward S. Lampert reversed course on Thursday, announcing that Cedars Holding Corp. will unload more than 1,200 stores in an effort to raise up to $770 million of much-needed cash. Uh, so understand what's happening, too, there's fewer and fewer folk got extra cash to go to the Sears it generally was a wee bit better quality it wasn't top quality but it was better than the rubbish they sell you and all these uh, I could name a whole bunch of them as you well know that's probably where you shop because it's all you can afford but at least you got a better uh, selection and they used to actually test this stuff out and back it up with guarantees even in their gardening department for their machines but um, this is going under because folk were, well we're learning to be a steer All your spending money goes to fines for dropping things, you know, like fingernails and stuff like that. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix. and it's just time for a couple of callers. Here's Frank from North Carolina on the line. Are there, Frank?
0: Uh, yeah. Hey, Alan. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I, uh, I I had one quick question uh, while I was on hold came up with, and I wanted to ask you if you'd heard about this new study. But uh, I heard that Jim Morrison, the, the uh, lead man for the Doors, his father was uh, an admiral in the Navy, I believe. And, uh, yeah, I came across uh, a site about Laurel Canyon several years ago during my exploration of what yeah. was available on the uh, Internet. It was very interesting mm-hmm. about how a lot of those people, there uh, they did have parents that were high up in the military. Um, well, no, just I, one specifically I was curious about, Madonna. I'd never heard anything about her. Yeah.
1: What? Well, her parents were – her dad was way up there in the military as well. And her brother came out with a, with a book, in fact, and he explained it all, exposed it, because her big story, all, you understand, the whole of Hollywood, is, in fact, it's not just Hollywood, it's New York, and everybody who's really successful, is Rags to Riches. That's their standard scene. And of course, she came out at first that she arrived in London, a poor, penniless, a young girl with a pair of ballet shoes, ten bucks in her pocket or something. And nothing's further from a truth. So their brother came out with a book and exposed it all. And they were from a very, very wealthy family. And dad's way up in the military. And uh, uh it's a pretty pretty common story. Frank Zappa, uh, all, all these guys, yeah.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. I'll look further into that. Um, did you... uh Happened to see anything about that study. I just heard about it on the mainstream uh, radio earlier this week about uh, driving habits as far as people's consideration for other drivers based on uh, the study looked at uh, different classifications as far as what type of vehicle people drove.
1: I didn't see that one, no.
0: no. Well, it, well I mean, I don't like to get into the whole division and class warfare, but it's just consistent with what I have observed all my life, and I always ask people if they notice You know, people that drive, like, the luxury class vehicles are typically, I have observed, I believe, I'm fairly objective, are very inconsiderate people, Uh, you know, like when you're waiting for them and when they're coming down the road, they don't give a signal, so you don't don't want to pull out in front of them, and then they turn right when they get to you. You can tell they don't even realize that you've been waiting for them, but uh, they said that people that drive, the study, I guess it was some university out in California or something, said that uh, people that drive the luxury class vehicles are typically very inconsiderate drivers. Mm-hmm. Also said that they were much more likely to cheat when playing games, yeah. more likely to not uh, return monies that were given to them in error, like mm-hmm. in a uh, financial transaction. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, that's, the, that's the successful crew. That's the psychopathic type. That's how they are. They've got to be out in front. They've got to beat everybody else, and even the driving too. It's just them on the road as far as they're concerned. And uh, that falls in with the whole psychopathic personality type to begin with, yeah.
0: Yeah, the crap rises to the top. Wait, I'm yeah. sure you can find that study.
1: I, I will, yeah. I will. yeah thanks. thanks, Alan. Thanks for calling. And maybe Daniel from the UK, if you're still there, Daniel.
0: Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, um, well, it's true, by the way, what you're saying about um, Britain. Uh, I got fined by the tax office um, a couple of times for the little things and... Um, they they change. I remember I noticed they changed a few years ago, they changed traffic wardens' titles to civil enforcement officers, you know? Yes. <laughs> they, they they changed the name. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And they privatized it too, so it's for, it's for profit, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, well I don't know if we've got much time, but just maybe just start to this. Um you know in the Bible when they refer to God, um, is that a reference to the system of control?
1: Yes. That's in a nutshell what it is. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And just look into the ancient history from the Ugaritic texts onwards to find out what God it is and what He stood for. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I
0: could ring up another time and
1: we could talk about that. Is that right? Sure enough, yeah, yeah. But thanks for yeah, calling. It was a good
0: weekend, Alan,
1: to you. you too. From Hamish Massel from Ontario, Canada, is good night to me. Your God or your gods, and your favourite song, go with you.